Well, this morning I want to begin by welcoming everyone who's joining us online. We often talk about it at different points during the message, and, and I want to just encourage you to take advantage of the connection card that's in the seat that's in front of you. And if you're watching online, you can do it through our app. You can do it through the pull-down bars. There's a million different ways. It's on our website. And it's just pretty simple for you to just put your, your information at the top and as much as you want to give us, and we have a hassle-free guarantee that we're not going to chase you down. We're not going to come and, and just push around trying to figure out, you know, be real nosy into your stuff. You're not going to get a free loaf of bread. It's just going to give us um, the ability to send you some communication to let you know what your next steps would be should you like to take them. And, and there's a part at the bottom that you can put your prayer requests, and we'll talk about those more at the end of the service. But I just want to tell everyone that's even watching on our online campus, it's growing. And, and I hear from a lot of different people who are watching our online campus and, and our podcast that is going out. I, I show it, the numbers to Michael almost every week, whether we're in staff meeting or we're just putting our stuff together here. And I'm like, the numbers still just astound me, the, the number of people that we're able to reach from this little expression of, of technology that we've got going on here. So welcome to everyone. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 5, we're going to start off in verse 1. And this is a, a great story that you may know, but it says, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of something, and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is giving the word of God. And we'll see in just a moment. This is early, early on in his ministry. So he hasn't even put all of his disciples together yet. So he is just out there, just kind of popped up. I mean, he's had this moment where God says, okay, you're my son. Now go and do what I've called you to do and make a difference and be released out into ministry. So here he is, he's out there and he's just talking and he's just giving the word of God in verse two. And he saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So get the scene. They've been working out there fishing now they've left their boats out there. They're kind of tired. They're dragging, and they're over there cleaning their nets, getting ready for the next day. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put him a little out from the shore. Then he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. So Jesus had all these people crowding around him. That He jumped in a boat, and he moved it out just a little bit, and the, the surface of the water gave him a perfect sound system. So he was able to just project a little bit more and, and get this whole thing going on there, and he just taught and taught and taught. I, I mean, still get the picture. They just got back from fishing. This is their job. This is what they did all night. And, and they're over there cleaning everything up, getting ready. And here comes Jesus, and he starts talking all this stuff. So can't you see him over there? They're working on their nets. They're cleaning it all, and they're just listening to him and cleaning and he jumps in one of their boats and they're like okay what's going on here and uh, you know, this this whole scene is going on and he got through in verse four and when he finished speaking he said to simon put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch well i don't know anything about fishing my dad will tell you that i'll be the first one to admit that but these guys, their whole entire livelihood, have they been grown up, their dad, their granddad, and so on and so forth, was all about fishing. So they know when the fish are there. They know the cycles. They know when it's fruitful to fish. They know when it's not fruitful to fish. They know 
that if they didn't catch anything at the best time, they're not going to catch anything at the bad time. Simon answered Jesus, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And I love this, this whole way the story just envelops and develops in this whole thing. Because here Jesus is just walking along the, seas, uh, the shore side. And, and he sees these guys. He starts talking. And then he sees the boat. And he jumps in the boat. And he sees Simon. And then he finishes. He goes, hey, as a, as a blessing to you, I want to have you go out. And Simon, who never knew anything about Jesus from what we're understanding here, just heard Jesus for the first time. The word of God came alive in Peter, Simon, so much that he says, okay, because you said so, we'll go back out there. Can you imagine somebody else coming up to a fisherman's like, hey, let's go out in your boat and just drop your nets again. You're going to get something. You don't know nothing about fishing. Why in the world? I just got finished cleaning all of my nets. Why in the world would I get out there? But the word of God that Jesus delivered Cause this faith to rise inside of Simon, he says, because you say so, I will do it. Verse 6, and when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And when they came, they filled both the boats, so they began to sink. So they had so many fish that their boats, both their boats were going to sink. Verse 8, when Peter, Simon Peter, saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees ah, and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. He just heard the word of God, and he saw the demonstration of God's power. We sang this morning, I know I can see you do it again. You've done these crazy things. He saw a crazy thing, probably unlike anything he'd ever seen in his life. Showed him how far away he was from God. Verse 9, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. And here, here's Simon saying, go away from me because I'm sinful. God, Jesus, I don't rise to the level that I need to be. I'm not the kind of person that I need to be. I certainly can't even hang around with you. So please, thank you for the fish, but go. I love this. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats on shore and left everything and followed him. This is a phenomenal story to me. Just all the different elements of how someone could hear Jesus and have this experience of Jesus that it just overtook them so much. And then just a series of events that happened that at the end of this day, they left even the big catch that they made. They left all the financial profit that would have been from making this huge take, this gathering of all these fish. Man, they're going to fill the fish markets. Man, they're going to have a great payday. They left everything and followed him. The things I want us to see, though, this morning specifically are at your word or because you say so. Simon Peter recognized the power in Jesus' words. They recognized that he was giving the words of God. 
that he had just heard a message, but he decided that to trust Jesus even when it didn't make sense. And they ended up with a bigger catch than they could believe. Can I suggest to you this morning that we need to trust the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our finances and in our business. See, this, this was their finances. This was their job. This is how they made a living for their family. Each year, one time a year, we have a message that's dedicated to finances. And I'm, I made reference to that a few weeks ago that is coming. And today is that day. And typically, I would be the person that's cringing because I hate talking about money. Even in my business world, I hate talking about money. If I've got to give an invoice to somebody, oh, I cringe. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like kind of sliding on the desk and kind of hope I can get out of the room before they notice. And, but I, I got so excited as I was preparing this message because can I just tell you, I'm I'm fast-forwarding a little bit. It's not about getting money. It's about you. And when I see what God does in people's lives, just like he did in Simon's life, and he continued on through this whole story as you watch and read the whole Bible and see what he did with it, it's all about you, but I'm jumping too far ahead. So this morning, we're going to look at what does God's word say about finances? And it may be different than anything you've ever heard before. And I'm just warning you now, and I'm asking you, I'm begging you, if you haven't already shut the stream off, if you already hadn't run out the front door, please continue with an open mind. And let's just see from a strictly biblical standpoint, what does God's word say about finances? The first point, if you're taking notes, it's going to be up on the screen, God has instructions on how to live for every area of our life. Say this again. God has instructions on how to live for every area of our life. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, we believe that giving should be decided. Not only do we believe that, it's in the Bible. If you go back to verse 7, it says, what you have decided in your heart to give. We don't believe in compulsion. I've been in services growing up and different people, and you might know of the people I'm referring to. If you've been in church any length of time at all, they come and you know there's going to be an offering at the end, and you know they've got some cute little thing. You get $58 a month, and and God's going to do these 58 blessings in your life, and and you give $1,000 today, and it's going to do this. God's going to release, and all that stuff is true, but the compulsion that is with that, I would tell my wife, I'm not taking my checkbook. I'm leaving my wallet at home. I'm not doing any of this stuff because today I'm not going to fall to it. And every single time, I'm like, you know, I really should do this. I really, I, I, you know, I really want to be in that same blessing. We should never be in compulsion. As true as everything that those people say is, and it is true. I'm not saying they're not true. What you have decided. So the offering we're taking for legacy isn't today because I'm not even going to let this message be something as compulsion to you. This is to educate us, to let us know what God's word says, and then you have two weeks to decide 
to purpose in your heart because God loves a cheerful giver. We believe that you should decide. Our second point, if you're taking notes, is God desires us to purpose and decide. God doesn't want us just to arbitrarily throw money at at the church or at giving in any way, whether it's any kind of giving. He doesn't want us just to throw money at it and just hope that, okay, well, here's this and just throw it at it. No, he wants you to purpose, to decide what it is you're going to do. And over and over again, and, and this message could be like seven hours long in all the different ways. And, and I was looking at different promo videos to, to play at the beginning. One of them talks about all the times that God talks about money. And it's like, like up to 114 times. It's crazy. But, but oftentimes God refers to money as sowing seeds. Like a, a, a farmer is sowing seed. And a farmer doesn't just go out there and wake up one morning and takes a sack and goes, blah, and just throws it out and goes back in and gets in his barker lounge. No, he goes out there and gets the plow. He gets the tractor. He gets the. He knows what part of the field he's going to work on this day. He's got these perfect rows that go around here, and he's got the mechanism that's planting the seed right where it needs to go and how it needs to go, and then and then it folds back over there. There's this whole process. God desires us in our giving, in every part of our life, to purpose. And decide. In fact, Dr. Kennedy, for many, many years, and I was so impressed whenever I, I came on staff with him and, and got to hear and, and realize this, says that take the month of December to decide what you're going to do for next year. I'd always heard in January 1, okay, it's January 1, what are you going to do this year? Well, it's too late. You're already in that year. Dr. Kennedy says, hey, take the month of December and purpose in your heart, purpose in your mind, put it down on paper, write out the plan. What are you going to do next year? Then January 1, you start implementing what you've decided, what you've purposed. And so many people it is to lose weight or I want to have this different change or I'm going to do this different personal habit is going to be good or I'm going to get rid of this bad one or I'm going to start this new one. You don't start that whenever it's like spur of the moment because that's compulsion. That's just an instant knee-jerk reaction. So I encourage you. God desires in all of our areas of life to purpose, decide. So take this month, as, as December's right upon us, write out your goals. Not only when it comes to giving and the legacy offering, but what are your goals for 2019? Can I suggest to you that where your heart is, is another analogy that Jesus gives When you understand the process of how God sees money, how God sees finances, when you understand everything that's happening behind the scenes, and and, and the analogy that I go to oftentimes with this now, having children who are adults now, my youngest is officially an adult now, and she would love to hear as she's upstairs and she hears me say that, I'm sure she's smiling you know, she wants to be an adult until she doesn't want to be an adult. But there's a certain point of view that I can look back with my children all being adults now and say, wow, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, and our lives are all purposed in how we should do that. There's a process in how this growing up thing happens. Well, it's the same thing with how God sees us. What would happen if we lived our life 
on purpose instead of much of what the world says. Que Sarah, Sarah. Whatever it will be, will be. Whatever today has, I'm just going to just walk into it and discover it. What would happen if you purpose it? What if you lived life on purpose? Next point of our message on finances is God uses people. The Bible says, where your heart is, Matthew 6, 21, there your treasure will be. But, but where your heart is, is really giving you the understanding. When you understand the kingdom of God and how it works, then you'll make some different decisions when it comes to your money. Where your heart is, where your money is, where your treasure is. One of the other videos I was looking at was going to show, talked about a guy, and it was all comedic, and he's like, you know, how can I give God any money? You know, and he's, well, he wants 10%, oh my gosh, but, but look at the new iPhone, and the new iPhone just came out for Black Friday, and, and, and I, I've got to get the new iPhone, and then I can't, buy, I can't give God any money because I, I need the new iPhone, and, and you know, the, all the different things, but when you understand the, the principles of God as we're about to look into, your heart starts to change. And when your heart changes, what you do with your money is also going to happen. It's going to change. But I believe that we should understand why. And there, there's some, some technical things that I want to jump into a little bit, and then we're going to continue on with seeing God's word. But I just want you to see that people say, well, why in the world, if God has all this money, does he need my money? And, and why, all these questions of why. But I want us to see, and there's a couple of scriptures that I'm going to give you. For those of you who are taking notes, we're not going to look at them because I'm trying to keep this to a short period of time. But just really quickly, in Numbers 18, verse 20, and Numbers 35, verses 1 through 3, Deuteronomy 10, 9, and in 1 Chronicles 23, it talks about the different tribes in Israel and how God set up the ones who are going to be the warriors and the ones who are going to be the craftsmen and the ones who are going to do this and how they're going to do that. And it was all by their family trees, how they were going to do this. And he said that the Levites, the people who worked in the church, the, the pastors, the priests, those kind of things, that they were not to own any land. In fact, the land was distributed as they took and conquered between the 11 of the 12 but it says in the scriptures that I gave you that the Levites are the pastors, the church attenders, people who are attending to the church, were not to own anything. They weren't to have any property. They weren't to have their own bank accounts, but that God was their inheritance, and it was up to the 11 other tribes to take care of the 12th tribe. Now, God could just as easily have divided everything up amongst the 12, but his principle was to show us that we need to have a dependence as we're ministers upon God, that he is our inheritance, but also on the other 11, that it is their responsibility also for the things that have been given to them. So again, that's the why and how it all comes up here. And I have to tell you, that's personally comforting to me because at this age that I am, of, you know, I, I don't own much, but I've always been in the service of God. And, and I struggled with that for the longest time. And some ministers came through at our church when we we're still in Florida and they ministered on this very 
subject, and it brought such comfort and such relief to me that that's God's plan for those who are in ministry. But it is the responsibility of others to take care of them. And as a side note, in First Chronicles 23, 4, it says that the Levites were also to be the judges, and the connotation is here, they were the law enforcement. And that just brought a, a big smile to my face last night, you know, because that's one of the, the things that I've had a passion for and was a deputy sheriff in, in Florida for a period of time. And I just enjoy being in that role of helping people and in just following rules and those kinds of things. So the fact that the Levites and the worshipers and the pastors, that they were also part of law enforcement back in the, the day, that just brought a personal smile to me. So I'm giving you that little insight. The next, decision, uh, the next thing I want us to look at is the first decision that has to be when it comes to giving is tithing. And in Malachi verse three, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So that there may be food in my house. God is still saying, remember where I showed you that it is the responsibility of the 11 to take care of God's house. Here's God saying it specifically in the Old Testament. So there may be food in my house. So the electricity can be on at church. So the, we, where we're in a building um, fundraising where we're trying to figure out where our next location is going to be and, and what that's going to look like, that costs money. They don't just say, oh, you're a church. We're going to give you everything for free. Texas Energy, it says, hey, listen, you're a church. You don't have to worry about electricity. No, we all have bills. It's still a business. It says, bring the whole tithe, the 10% of your income in. But then he goes on, and the only place in the Bible he says is, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not, now listen, here's our promises. If I will not open for you, the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Bring the tithe and that opens the windows of heaven. Verse 11 says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruits of your ground nor will it nor will the vines in your field cast its grapes before their time another says in another translation. And, and those are specific to them they're not as specific to us. But you get the, the, the connotation that there's the, the, the devil's always trying to rob, kill, and destroy that devourer to devour everything we have. And God says, when you're tithing, that is when I rebuke on your behalf the devourer. So tithing opens up the windows of heaven, and then the devourer is rebuked. And then, as the windows of heaven are open, in Matthew 13, verse 8, it talks about the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold return based on you, the heavens are now open and now God is, as you give, he brings this whole thing back. It's all about you. Michael mentioned this morning the different types of giving. And, and here, I just want to break it out for you and you'll see it on our app or any of our giving things. There's, there's tithe. That's the 10% that, that God says, hey, if you make $100, I want you to give $10 back to me. Pastor Tad gave this analogy one time when we were at a conference and, and they asked him to take the, receive the offering and it just made me smile. He says, you know, my grandson likes to come back to my office with me after church and I'd like to think it's because he loves his, his big daddy so much, but it's really because I have this jar of M&Ms on my desk and he wants to come and get those. He goes, so oftentimes I'll take and I'll pull out some M&Ms and I'll put six little M&Ms in his hand and he just sits there just looking at him, he can't wait and he goes, now, you know, Big Daddy loves you so much that he gave you six M&Ms. Do you love Big Daddy enough that you'd give him back one? 
And he says his grandson looks at him and goes, mm-mm. But, but you know, that's, that's kind of how we are. But God says, hey, everything that you have, I've given to you. Can you give back to me 10%? And that's what he asks of us. And, and, and I love that it's, it's not this huge, unreachable thing. But it's a percentage. So if I made a dollar today, it's a dime. If I made $10 today, it's a dollar. And people say, well, I don't have enough money to tithe that it makes a difference. It's by the percentage. And then people on the other side will say, I make too much money. I can't tithe that much money. That's a lot of money to the church. Oh my gosh, why would I give that money? It's a percentage. But it also goes to your heart. And then the next category is offerings. That's when you're giving above your tithes. So as we're, as we're giving an offering for this person, or you heard me uh, months ago talk about Amber, who was in, in, in um, Texas Department of Corrections, and, and we're supporting her and we're going after her. That wasn't your tithe. That was an offering that was above your tithes. And, and, and then there's alms to the poor, that we take care of the poor, the, the, the food banks and those things. And as we try to endeavor, and we're a small church, but we try to, we, we, we have great intentions to do more of this. And, and as we do all these things, but see, all those things are not tithing. So some people say, hey, I saw the guy begging on the street at the corner, so I gave him my money, so I tithe today. No, that's not tithing. That's alms. And then there's missions and missionaries where we support the Culkers in Mexico, where we support Pastor Jay and Haiti and, and some new ones that I'm going to be talking to you about soon. Then it, it specifically talks about your ministers, that you're supposed to take care of your pastors and, and our guest speakers. So when we get big enough and we can bring a guest speaker and we will take a special offering for them. Those are all the different categories of giving. But again, I will reiterate, it's as you decide and as you purpose. David, King David in the Old Testament, raised money for the building of the temple. Much like we're looking to say, hey, we know that this is just a temporary location and we're going to be getting into a facility. We don't know when as God provides, but we're in a fundraising for that too. So you heard Michael talk about the legacy offering. And one of the categories is the building fund. And, and we're really believing for people that are going to say, hey, I'm going to start just giving you an extra $20, an extra $100. I'm going to give an extra $1,000. I'm going to give an extra whatever to the building fund because I want us to start socking that away so when we need to pay a deposit on, when we need to pay for this or we need to pay for that, that the church has the money and that there's a building fund. David was doing this in 2 Samuel, and he had someone that had a field and says, hey, I'm going to give you this field, David, so you can offer this up to your God, and this will give blessings to our community and everything else. And and David responded back, and again, we're not going to look at this, but David responded back to him. He goes, I will not offer to God something on my behalf that didn't cost me. I'm not going to offer up to God as if it were mine, something that somebody else gave me, and say, God, here, I'm giving you this offering from me when it's somebody else. This field, you can give this field to God, and your blessing will be attached to it, but you can't give it to me to give to God and think that it's going to be great. My next point is, for those of you who are taking notes, other people cannot make your offerings for you. You can't say, oh, my mama tithes, so that's my, my tithe. Uh, my, my dad, he, he's a big giver, so he takes care of everything. You don't, I, I, no, it's personal. There are personal requirements. Whether or not anyone wants to believe that, it doesn't change the principles of God. 
Other people cannot give your offering. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and you're going to lose even what you have in your hand, one translation says. Verse 25, the generous will prosper. And I love how this is put in there. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. But isn't that a perfect scripture? We should put that on our tithing envelopes. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. But isn't that what giving to the church does? Doesn't it bring refreshment to others? See, ultimately, it's about you. It's not that the church is sitting here with a handout going, hey, give us some of your money. It's not from you. It's for you. There's a guy at a church that we went to in Florida years ago. And he, he went from being a drunk, as he would tell you his story, in a bar all night long and just not a future at all. And he started coming to church with his wife. And God did such a radical change in his life, which is what church should be. God gave him an idea. He created a computer company that became incredibly wealthy and successful. And he ended up giving to the church when we did a building fund over $400,000 when it was all said and done. But one day he walked in with a check for $200,000 and says, Pastor, I want to give you a check for $200,000, but I don't want it just to be giving you the money for the church. I want to give a testimony because I didn't have this much money at one point. But today, I won't even miss this check. See, the giving and the principles of God that started off in this guy who became my friend wasn't so the church could get money. It was so that God's blessings would come on to him as we just saw, give freely and become more wealthy. It's all about you. And his life was changed. And he became one who refreshed others. My final point this morning is finances are part of our missions. Finances are part of our mission statement even. And as I was preparing this message, it was, it was just so overwhelming to me to even put it in this context. Know God. You know the four things that we talk about all the time. We want you to know more God know God. The more we get to know about God, we understand his great desires for us to live to the full. That also includes our finances. Often you hear me say at the close of the service, inviting people to know God and use the analogy of maybe you've been doing life your own way and you want to say, it hasn't been working out that well for me. Can I suggest you it's the same way in finances. Once you know God and you know his principles and his, his plans for finances in his kingdom we'll stop doing our own way and we surrender it to God we want you to find freedom we all have messed up thinking or myths about God and money and and the church always with their hand out and until we get released from those whacked up ways of thinking we'll be held back when it comes to giving our third purpose is discover your purpose We see that God instructs us this morning was all about that. To give as we purpose. 
We have to discover our role in giving and in finances. And fourth is to make a difference. And that's the same as in every other role. When we know God, when we find freedom, when we discover our purpose, then we have the great opportunity of making a difference. And the legacy offering, as Michael's already talked about, it's going to be giving to our local church and showing up some things and some, pro- some projects that we just haven't had the money to do and we, we're wanting to do. And we need some new flags that go out there. We need a trailer. There's, there's specific things. And I know there's people for their legacy gifts, they like to know a list of things and they'd rather just go buy the trailer than to give you money for the trailer. And I understand that that's fine. And we're happy to give you that list if you're interested in that list. But, but there are some things that we're in need of in the local church. But we want to be a blessing in another area is missions and our missionaries. And this is the time of the year that they have the least amount of giving because everybody starts diverting their money to Thanksgiving and Christmas gifts and all that stuff. And that's understandable. But this is when their giving takes a dip. And, and every year, this is when we want to send a, a check, a love offering to them. Say, hey, man, we're a small church and it may not be that much, but hey, we just want you to know we love you. We're there with you in our, in our region. And, and there's multiple things that we want to do with this legacy offering. And, and again, I'll just tell you, it's two weeks from now. We purposely did this message today, so it's not right on top of it. And you have time to purpose in your heart. So my question this morning as I close, what will you purpose? See, it isn't about how much you can give, and it isn't about compelling you or manipulating an offering. It is all about you understanding your role and making a difference. The last scripture we have this morning is Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down, I I love this, how Jesus sat down intentionally here, sat down opposite of the place where the offerings were being put. So Jesus sat down by the place where the bucket was for receiving offerings at the temple. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury, and many rich people threw in large amounts. And the analogy that is kind of there is they're coming there and they're making this big grand scene of like, have you ever seen those people that are putting those things in? It sounds like the, the casino's like ding, 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 ding. Verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything. Please bow your heads. We talked a lot about knowing God and how he has plans for your finances to make your life a life to the full. But if you haven't reached the point to accept him into your life, then your first step would be to give him your life. And change the way that you do life. If that's you this morning, I just want to offer you the opportunity to say this prayer. I'm just giving you a template. I'm just going to help you with the process. Say this. Say, Jesus, today I choose you. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I come just as I am. Thank you for paying for my sins so I don't have to. I surrender it all to you. And I choose to follow you.
best way I know how, I'm going to live for you from today forward. Today I give you my life. Father, I pray for the, everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, and I pray for every one of us, Lord, to pray that prayer again, Lord, and they recommitted our, our intentions for you and made a decision for you. But Lord, even in a, the message today that we will decide and we'll purpose in our heart to be a part of the kingdom of God when it comes to giving. Lord, that we'll be purposing in our heart for the, the, the offering on December the 9th and for those who want to do it ahead of time, Lord, that you'll provide all the resources for the things that we have need of for the flags and for the trailer and for the, the this and the that's the little things, Lord, for the, the building fund that we'll start getting a, a, a great bank account for that whenever we need a down payment and when we need to pay an architect and, Lord, all the different things that cost money up front before we even really get out the gate. Lord, I pray for our missionaries, Lord, that we'll get a great offering that we'll be able to bless them. Lord, that we'll be able to bless the church outside of our four walls and the other churches, Lord, and, and just people, Lord. And, and our heart is for people and refreshing others. God, I pray that we'll have these great offerings that we'll be able to do that. But Lord, I love the fact that your scripture says and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. God, we're in a time where there's not much refreshing going on. But Lord, we see your principles for us is when we give that it accomplishes your, your will and then you accomplish great things for us. Lord, we give you this message and Lord, I pray that it falls upon open hearts, open ears, and it changes everything. Father, I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll pull out the connection card, if you're watching online and you just finish filling it out, there's a place in the middle here for you to say, I have made this decision. Again, we're so thankful for everyone who's watching us online and all the different areas and the different avenues. And we really want to hear from all of you. So we see from all these crazy countries of the world, we want to hear, send us an email at info at belongdfw.com or send us a prayer request pr prayer at belongdfw.com or, or, or something on our app and let us know what God is doing in your life as a result and that's part of the refreshing that we get we see all the stats and we see all the numbers but we really want to hear your story in fact there's a place on our website is tell me your story that you can write your story of what's going on in your life so Michael is going to come in one second as you're finishing up your connection cards and he is going to receive all those that are here as well as the tithing offering envelopes for those that are here in the building and everyone that is remote. Well, Father, we just thank you for everything that you're doing here. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that is Belong Church. Lord, I thank you for all the stories that I hear and most of them can't be shared. Maybe someday in the future. Lord, I thank you for the people who are writing the stories and write my story when we're able to share those. But Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we just give you all the glory. Lord, I thank you for all the connection cards that have come in. Lord, the, 
the prayer requests that have come in, Lord, and for your, your people who have faithfully tithed this week and those people who are going to give in the, the legacy offering, Lord, and the people that will begin to tithe as a result of the message and understand today. Father, I thank you for the transformation that's going to happen in them. Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.